All right. Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Ben Chiriboga, the Chief Growth Officer here at Nexo, coming to you with another This Legal Life. I'm back and joined by the one, the only, our actual first podcast, This Legal Life, since the rebrand guest, Ben Paul. It's not Christmas time, but how are you? What's going on, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Christmas seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? Talking about yeah, what you could sort do um, pre-Christmas a long time ago. Although over here in New Zealand, it's... Um, Nice and cold, so it feels almost like Christmas, but we have a World Cup coming up with the women, which is going to be absolutely awesome, so we're super yeah. excited about that. Uh, and yeah, we've had an interesting trading year with, with downturns and stuff and some floods, as people will know, over here, but really now we're into the, the meaty end of the business year and we start to see a real upturn in what things are going, activity and what our clients, particularly law firms, are looking to do and how they're looking to stay ahead of the competition yeah. in what has been a very strange three or four years for everyone. Yeah, yeah, totally. I um I agree what you're saying in terms of building pipeline and making sure that you are sort of thinking about the next six months because really what's in your pipeline right now is kind of what's going to close over the course of the next year, right? So you're really thinking, can I push things through? Is there last minute stuff that I can give myself six months to try to sort of close it? I don't know what everybody's close rates and their everybody's pipeline uh, and uh, deal deal cycles are out there, but you, know, you I think everybody understands what we're talking about here. What What's in there is kind of what's going to happen over the course of the next year. So it's time to sort of start focusing. Um, so today, you and I, we're talking not about pipeline, <laughs> accelerating pipeline. We're talking about something else, which is the need to change. And mm. you proposed this. Why did, why, did, why did you think about this? You know, I mean, we're buddies and we talk about lots of stuff. But you came to us and, you you know, this is seems to be on your mind. What have you been thinking about? You've been thinking about the need for change in some ways? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think we've gone through a period uh, in the legal industry where, you know, we're a bit locked up. The work's coming. If you've done good work, the work will keep coming uh, and it will keep coming. And it is been in that period and, and been kind of task focused, doing the legal work, haven't been able to see our clients as much. And yes, we've, that's, that's all behind us now. Now we've moved into recession and things are a little bit tricky. So some parts of law will do really well in recession, as we know, some parts not so well. Overall, there's a tightening the belt from clients because they're looking yeah. to, to save yeah. money, particularly on a global scale, but also on regional and local scales. And to react to that, a strategy needs to be put in place, which may have been neglected, but a new one. And it needs to be different and changed. And it needs to be embraced across all levels within any firm to be successful. And look, there's potentially nothing new in that, but I think now the need to change to set up for the next six years wow. now that people's ways of working ways of doing business have changed then law firms need to adapt to the market around them as well there's a there's an awful lot going on there's ai kicking in as we know good and bad examples sure. of that sure. um chat gpt being wanting to be the ultimate pleaser and will give you any answer as long as as long as it thinks it's the answer you want whether it's true or not but all these things are there and people are using these tools and experimenting with these tools and clients are as well. And they're obviously expecting to see this in their legal services and all these things. So now's the time to kind of to stop, look at it and actually say, what do we need to do to change, to get better, to improve, to drive growth? What do we need to do, not just on the BD side, but on the employer brand side, on the, on the whole kind of attracting, attracting the best legal talent? How do we get them into our business? How do we make them stay? People are wanting different things in their firms now. Yes, they want the learning. Yes, they want to probably have that human interaction, but they don't want it nine to five, five days a week. Uh -huh. So there's a whole adaptation that's going on. 
clients are changing, law firms need to change them to meet the market. And actually, when the market gets difficult, if you want to grow your revenue, you're going to have to do some different things. So the mindset needs to change and be ready and adapting to, to meeting that market because there's a whole raft of new players coming in as well. Alternative legal providers, those leveraging tech, boutiques are doing really, really well in each local market, hurting some of the larger and more global players. So really to, to adapt to that market, it's now's the time. Yeah, I um, I hear you, you know, and I sort of feel like um, there's been there's there's always been a lot of talk on sort of the um, I'm not saying doom. What I'm just saying is a lot of change happening sort of very fast. You know, there's also a lot of opportunity. There's also a lot of opportunity that's sort of happening. Right. Uh, markets really are starting clients. Market clients are still really starting to ask for new types of services. Um, they're asking yeah. for more value to be. Uh, delivered. Of course, you talked about technology change. And I mean, come on, let's be honest, like we're human beings, basically, all we do is incorporate technology and change and kind of do the same things, but do it faster, cheaper, better, something else, you know, effectively, but that's where we're definitely in a technology forward time of our lives effectively um so you know there are great opportunities great sort of and then sort of great downside rest so that's the thesis about what's sort of going on and, and the yeah. need for change okay but that's not really we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about we're just gonna take that as a given that you know yeah. change is sort of like needed we're gonna talk about okay how do you start to implement change and how do you start to sort of like think about change and i think the first maybe pillar that we could talk about is you know change driving change at a firm level versus an individual level and really this idea about firm versus individual motive motivation because you sort of need the both together right to sort of uh to start yes. to drive a little bit of change okay so what do you want to say about that look it's a it's a big topic we're in we're in one question there, and we'll, 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 we'll get across across all things but in any part of change there needs to be motivation which comes down to the whole, you know, Simon Sinek pieces around the reason why, sure. why, yeah. and, and why are we doing it, and what's the need to drive that change? Because unfortunately, you can't actually inject someone with motivation. There is no magic magic serum. Um, I'm sure the people at Marvel and Agents of Shield are working on it somewhere. And if they did, I'd love to have a cop, some of it to to yeah, help with yeah. some of the BD coaching. But I think it might be <laughs> deemed somewhat illegal. So. What you need to find is that rationale and reason to actually drive that change. Oh, right. And that starts at a firm level as well as an individual level. Because if you're going to move forward with a purpose and a desire, then you need to have that reason to, to change and have a clear growth strategy. It, I would suspect if you went in any market and you picked the 20 top firms in that, in that country and said, what's your purpose and ask the people they would struggle what would be even more scary is if you went around the ball table and said what's your purpose and and, and reason and i suspect 60 to 80 percent of them would struggle as well <laughs> now they might have some lovely kind of fluffy statements which say you know we want to be seen as the biggest and best law firm in chicago for example right that might be out there but realistically that isn't a clear purpose or strategy right so going through that process and understanding where they want to be and how they want to get there is absolutely key, right? Yeah. 
Now, when we engage with clients, we use a thing called um, Playing to Win by AJ Lafferty and Roger uh-huh. Martin, which is really, really cool about the five steps of strategy, right? And what yeah. is yeah. your winning strategy? What is it you want to achieve? Where are you going to play? What markets and how are you going to do it? Going through that process, and it can be actually quite quick. Most people know the answers. It's just haven't gone through the stepping process. And I think in the last four or five years, really haven't gone through that process. That's really key to understand what kind of law firm you want to be, what kind of clients you want to work with, what winning in that market looks like. And what is really frightening is what market share do you have of what's available? So most firms over the last five, 10 years have probably grown five to 10 to 15% just by doing the same stuff. And now the market's twisted on them. The trouble is when the market shifts and if the market goes backwards, if you haven't been gaining market share, you've just been growing because the whole market's growing, you actually find that you've got a very small piece of the pie left and the pie shrunk. So you have to track market share and see where you sit relative to the competition and what you could achieve. But having that real kind of, we want to be seen as the people who, you know, leading tech in that tech and advancing that to promote better service to corporate blue chips, for example, right? That would be really kind of powerful for someone. And if everyone believes in that and drives in and wants to work with those blue chips, wants to, wants to drive change, wants to see them improve, it's the work will flow after that, but it's more of a higher purpose. Uh-huh. And you can get into different things. It could be access to social justice, whatever. Uh-huh. But those things are really important. And having that and then understanding where you want to drive to and what kind of markets you want to get to at the top level is really, really cool. And engage your people in this process as well. So they're bought into it. So individuals now start to see a reason why they want to work for this firm and promote their career within this organization rather than the, the office next door or even two floors down below because lawyers seem to all sort of sit in the same street in most, most parts of the world. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> so that's really, really important. So that will give you the, the reason to kind of change what you do from a market focus but until you then start engaging with the individuals and get them individually motivated, yeah. nothing changes. Right. Which is a very kind of different process of making sure they're aligned, making sure they know where their career paths are, what the advantages to them are in driving this, these changes forward, what skills they need to learn, supporting them, providing the skills, providing the coaching and support and mentoring to get them through that process. Now, whether you use externals, whether you use senior people within the organization, whatever it is, but those support mechanisms, anytime you need to be changed, need to be there. And having that, those conversations to accept, hey, we're going to make mistakes because we're doing something new. So if you don't make mistakes when you're doing something new, you'd be very unusual. So having that courage and having that that sounding board to say, it's okay, I made a mistake myself last week. This is what my mistake looked like. This is what I learned. What did you mistake? What did you learn, right? Right. And it's, it's very easy. I came out from a, a sales background when I first started coaching people uh, in the professional services world. They would never ask me about my successes, only the times when I'd failed, when I'd absolutely had a really bad moment and the learnings from that. And it's an interesting human dynamic, but that's where the sharing of stories really helps people understand and learn. It's almost more tangible when someone hasn't quite got it right. We can learn from that, whereas someone shows you best practice on something you're very fearful of it's it's just so hard you know really really hard it's a little bit like you've never kicked a ball and someone says to you what's what's Lionel Messi play yeah, for right. and he's, he's now and just copy that if that was your first exposure to trying to play football it'd be too hard way too hard and you turn off straight away and the same with all these kind of things of learning new skills in business development and marketing yeah okay I want to ask you it's very interesting 
I want to ask you about the idea of top-down motivation versus bottom-up bottom-up motivation or individual yeah. motivation. So somebody gave me this. Somebody said this, and I'm going to share it with you because I think it's really interesting. You know, and another way of saying this, which is, you know, top-down, you can sort of emanate a emanate something emanates from you right it's just this mm -hmm. idea of this is what we are and this is how we do it and this is why we do yeah. it but once and it emanates think of like maybe like a cloud as it spreads through and it touches everybody you know and it goes through but what ends up happening is that's going to mean different things mm -hmm. to every single person and so the trick i think a little bit is yes you can spread this message and the message gets coat i'm like literally massaging myself as i'm talking about it you know it's it's coming all over you and it's and it's and it's and it's moving over you but what comes out the idea that you know a bottom-up emergence what emerges in each person is going to be so it's going to be so different effectively mm -hmm. for you for each person and i think you like there's something about being able to put those two things together lock those two things together because to yeah. your point lots of people have very big statements about what's going to happen but very few people i guarantee you can go around and say what does every single person, or at least most of the stakeholders, what does it mean to them? And do, can you say that just as much as you say your motto? I guarantee you not. Yeah. But this is sort of the key around motivation. All right. Let me ask you, is that really kind of what you're saying in a, in a way? Yeah. Look, for driving absolutely. change? I think, yeah, for driving change, you need everyone engaged, right? So the, yeah. the other principle is, is bottom up, then top down. That's right, of course. And that's that's a really good one. So as the cloud rises... It yes, gets right. to the top, and then everyone's had their sort of saying, and, it, and it's come up, and the, the core themes come up, and you're building sure. something, and then at the top, it's signed off and verified, and then the rain sure. comes back down through the organisation. Sure. Right. I can't believe we're using this weather one, but you started <laughs> it. Uh, but then, it's, but then it also trickles through, but it's trickling through back with the same messages that already came up and just refined. Yeah. So yeah. you've engaged everyone through the process. So. Look, for most larger firms, that would be probably on the service line or even client line. I yeah. hope it would I'd love it to be client line sure. um, or sector line. Going yeah, up about these are the amazing. key things. This is more important yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Supported with a good CRM as well, dare I say. Right. But these are things that kind of really, really important as they, as they go through, right? Yeah. Everyone gets in there and, and it goes up and it filters through. And these facilitated sessions then come up and they go into the senior management and then they come back down and there it is and everyone's aligned. Yeah. It may seem like a long, drawn-out process, but that process sets you up for five years, five sure. years of alignment. Exactly. And when everyone joins in, they know where they are. And yes, from my point of view, I'd want to focus on the clients and the BD and the marketing. Sure. But you can do everything else as well, your employee brand. You can do it all in the sessions and get everyone aligned. And it's really, really important to have that and have those other experts in within your organization or whatever it might be to just get it in that right kind of place. Because wow. otherwise, you're kind of... You're making change at the top and hoping it will stick. Yeah. Throwing darts at dartboard and it just doesn't work. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I think uh, the takeaway for here was it has to be bottom up and it has to be top down and everybody yeah. sort of has to find meaning. And again, for everybody listening, you know, we're talking about driving change. So not not just not just bought into whatever it is, the strategy or the North Star for why we're going to change the why behind we're going to change and everybody has to say okay yes i'm going to change and this is the reason why i'm going to change so so that's what we're talking about here all right let's go to maybe the second pillar leave that a little bit that's a good little yeah. nugget of takeaway here um and reminding how essential that really is everybody buying into the change and finding their personal reason why 
let's go maybe to the value of discomfort and talking a little bit about, you know, self-growth and learning mm. and just the idea of challenging. And maybe I think what we're always sort of pointing at is how do you socialize this within an organization? This idea of self-growth is good. I think you actually pointed it to it before, you know, sharing, sharing your failures, sharing your learnings yeah. in that, in that capacity. You know, I think that this is, this is hard just for human beings, but this is doubly hard for perfectionist lawyers who need to sort of be positioned and packaged as absolute authorities. And the truth is, is, okay, yes, absolute authorities, but not on change. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's nuanced here. You can't be, you can't be an expert at something you've never done before. You know, but basically, I understand that you can be an expert at IP law, but you can't be an expert at building an IP practice, especially if you're trying a new strategy, right? The two don't, don't, don't make any sense. No, look, I think, you know, without going over lots of old ground, touching on, on the model, how law firms and how lawyers progress is really, really important because as you progress through your career, you, you're continually brilliant at law, right? I mean, you may learn after university when you, you work with partners for the first time that there's sure. a lot to learn in the real aspect. But as you go through that, it's all in that same technical discipline. Sure, exactly. And then as you get higher up, then people are starting to bring in people management, right. client right. development, winning and retaining new clients, yep. all these right. skills that are completely different to the world of law. Yeah. And you cannot necessarily be an expert in all of them. And now suddenly you're very high up in your career, seen as one of the leaders in your firm or industry. Sure. But you have gaps and you have to admit yeah. you have yeah. gaps, right? And it, but it goes through every level as you're rising up, you know, you could be an associate. Now you realize you've got gaps. You could be here. You realize you've got gaps and it's exposing and it's exposing for anyone in any career, right? At any point, you understand your, you're higher up, you've got more responsibilities, you have to understand certain things, but you have to pick what you do and what and what you learn and how you achieve, right? Every time you learn something new, it's dis it's uncomfortable to a degree, particularly if it's not something that's in your wheelhouse. So we learn best in that period of discomfort where we're a little bit unsure. That's when the learning and the magic takes place. But there's a big gap between that and panic. And panic is where we switch off as human beings and don't know because it's too hard. It's too much of, too much of, a, of a bridge. Um, that's when we either want to run away or punch the person in front of us who's trying to teach us. So I'm very careful in my, in my sessions to make sure they don't get to that part because I don't really want to <laughs> so, so, so that kind of rough. But it's, but it's really important to, to know that difference, to just have enough but also that means that you can only learn so much at any given time. Yeah. And one of the mistakes you see with change is, hey, we're going to do all this new stuff and this is what you're now going to do and here's the approach and have it all in one session. Boom, mind blown. You, right. It's got right. to be incremental steps and learn things piece by piece and bring bits of change over time, which is why you would talk about the sort of six-month to 12-month program of really bringing that change in. You know, people kind of like the idea of, you know, being the um, the fast yacht or the speedboat that's that's going th that's going through the waters and it change just happens like that and you win the race. Uh -huh. But actually, realistically, if you want to embed change, you've got to be more like a steamboat uh -huh. and go nice and slow and steadily, but hit across those choppy waters and just keep going. There'll be some bumps in the road, but that steamboat can get you through and get you over. So that's the kind of mentality you have of how you embrace that and getting that getting that learning zone and really start to see individuals make a real difference. Uh -huh. 
What uh, give give me some examples from you know, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know BB Ladder, you know, it's it, it coaching, marketing, uh, coaching, consulting, business development, specifically for professional services. You've been doing this a while. You know, do you want to say anything a little bit about how do you with your clients, you know, how do you go about this idea of understanding that there's there's huge gaps uh, sometimes whenever you get to the top based on your based on what you said, which is, you know, you might be great at you might be great at your practice, but in doing so, you have huge blind spots that that have sort of taken you to the top. Yeah. There was this, um, you know, my dad, I'll just tell you this, you know, there's this thing called the peer principle. And it's basically the idea that everybody gets if you do good work, and you know, don't punch anybody at the uh, at the corporate retreat or whatever. Yeah. Basically, you will be the principle is that you will be elevated and promoted to mm-hmm. the job that you cannot do effectively. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Like basically you get it the higher you go up, the more exposed that you basically become. So the faster you climb, the more you don't know how to do mm-hmm. effectively. And that's okay. But anyway, the question is I, I've always loved that. I've remembered that, you know, my dad like has an MBA and like that's the only thing he's ever like taught me about anything. I have <laughs> the rest of it. But um um yeah the um the point, the question really was, how does this manifest itself in your, in your BD and coaching practice, specifically around the idea of uncovering this, this stuff and going the steamboat? I mean, you get my question. But. Yeah. So look, the, the main thing here is to understand at the top what needs to be changed and who, who you need to work with, right, and which, uh-huh. which people within the organization. Once they're identified, our first sessions with the key people will be more discovery and understanding where they feel they're at, what they're doing, and some simple questions about what change can action and building them a plan. So while while we look to have a a unified approach to the market across, say, all the partners we work with, each individual is different, so they start building an individual different plan, which is where it becomes more of a kind of consultancy coaching process rather than a Uh cookie cutter. And cookie cutter just doesn't work at this, this kind of level. So we build a plan around what they'll be able to do, what levels of comfort and discomfort that person can take, Right. how far we can take them within a six to 12 month period. And then we feed that back up to those at the top saying, look, with this person, you know, they're great. They've got a good practice. There's a few areas that need working on here around that. If we, if I feel there's something missing that's out of our skill zone, we'll, we'll feed that up as well. So look, it, it sounds like they're struggling with management. Some of the stuff we do may help with that, but it's not our expertise. You should probably get management. Right. professional with or, or or get HR to help them guide through that as well at the same time because you know change impacts the people and the teams they work in as much as mm-hmm. it impacts bringing new clients you know and as we make them busier they've got to, got to work out how to resource that uh, but it's really about building that kind of individual plan working through it and then taking it on a step-by-step basis you know so some people will meet twice a month. Some people will just have 15-minute calls because it needs to be very regular and right, build that right. kind of discipline of change, right? Yeah. Let's have a quick – and then and then you get the phone call saying, I've got a meeting coming up. Hell, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, right. Love those ones. Really good. In the moment kind of coaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is where you want to get to, right? Right. Because it's much more – we move from that exploring phase very quickly into a doing phase because you learn by doing. So the sessions then become, so what's the next – piece of interaction who you want to talk to what's the blockers how do we talk it 
even writing emails and getting meetings, which is one of my favourite things to do because you see success straight away. Sure. Sometimes they come back in. We're actually in the middle of the coaching session. Oh, yeah, I'd love to meet you next Tuesday. Yeah. Brilliant, right? You see the progress yeah, right. coming in, right? But you're actually doing it. And then there's a learning around, okay, so we're going to make some mistakes as we go here, right? Sure. Not everything's going to be perfect, but we'll learn each way. And then you'll start to build a, a discipline and a practice. And we talk a lot about discipline. Because uh, if you want a bit, if you want to embed change, you've got to start creating habits, as we all know. So if you want to lose weight, you've got to have the habit of going to the gym and, and eating better. Yeah. If you want to get better at BD and marketing, you've got to have the habit of doing it regularly. Too many people will invest a lot of time in a big marketing initiative once a year and hoping that will see them through. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that initiative, but it's just what's done in the rest of the year to support it and keep meeting and seeing clients. It needs to be yeah. a regularity yeah. to it, a consistency. Okay. I totally got the, you know the entire time. So you and I are big are big football fans. We both grew up playing yeah. playing football. That's soccer for American people, you know. And I was just thinking the entire time about how much we're going to get to our last topic. But this is my last comment on this topic around the idea of habits. You know how much how much soccer coaching is really about two v two, four v four game situations, and truthfully moving the ball opening up to space receiving the ball one touch two touch i mean it's just such fundamental stuff and really the best coaching is always this idea of not just doing drills to do drills but doing drills in the context of like a real world scenario you know the throw in the throw in in the final third or something or a corner kick and all of that kind of stuff and how much that's like anyway you know business and business and sports what a what a novel concept (laughs) like yeah but, it, but, it, but, it's, but it's interesting, right? Because if you take that example there, you know, the 4v4, but when you put the 6 v six 3 for example, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so the 3 are under pressure. So you're putting them in a, yeah. in a real-life situation where they're, they're under pressure. And the same happens, you know, with coaching. Well, if you're doing a difficult client and, I, and I'm playing the role or they're playing the client yeah. role, right, right. you up it at 20, 20%. Sure. So you're now having a really difficult conversation. You're practicing that conversation. And in practicing that, the real one goes a lot better. Yeah, yeah it's a horrible thing, and you've got that feedback of like, yeah, or, you know, if you're doing, getting ready for a big pitch presentation, we'll do it. You'll get, once the team's ready, we'll bring people in to play certain roles, and you're bringing the yeah. managing partner, the CEO, and all their peers, and all the people in the organization they respect. Yeah. Because that's the most horrible thing to go through. But yeah. at the same time, it's the best learning. And then when you go in front of the client, it's easier. Yeah. And all the nasty yeah. questions have been asked, and you're ready. So practice, practice does absolutely make we can never have perfect but almost perfect okay yes that's true all right let's get to our last thing you know it's a question about resilience and um and it's really or like a pillar around resilience and the idea of building up resilience and you know it's interesting of course um larry richard dr larry richard who is a lawyer psychologist you know he has very interesting research about lawyers having low resilience it has to do with the environment and it has to do also with the type of people who end up being coming lawyers and you know there's and then there's there's so you know so sort of social conventions and sort of social norms and la 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 and it all goes on and on. But you know there is a, there is an issue around resilience, right? And it tends to be that like for example, um, entrepreneurs have very high resilience, right? Because basically they just roll with the punches and you know 
they like uh they made it down the hill and they're all banged and bruised and they broke three things and in the process you know they burned the million dollars but they say but i made it down the hill you know there there we go you know in some, in some sense i made it down the hill and i'll just go up again and next time i'll try to i'll try to do it a little bit better you know resilience and coaching go a lot together because of i think the corner of this is feedback and the idea of getting bad feedback and how you can continue to take in feedback as it goes and also asking for feedback so important right so so vulnerable to say like where do i suck and i'm being i'm I'm overdoing it obviously for a dramatic effect but you know this idea of putting yourself out there to be analyzed for, for on purpose effectively you know what do you what do you want to say about resilience and then you know to tie this up to where we've been and where we're going you know this idea of change then we were bought into change what's my why for change oh i'm gonna have to change that means that i'm gonna have to learn new things and to mm-hmm. learn new things i'm gonna have to expose myself to the things that i need to learn and i'm really gonna have to take stock and i'm gonna have to be resilient because nobody rides a bike perfectly the first time you know so there there we go we just linked up all three if you're going to change if you want to change if you believe that change needs to happen and i don't know maybe maybe this is corny or cringy but the only constant thing in all of life is basically the need to change effect effectively you know so there there you go either either you change or change comes to you if you if you don't believe that but anyway but let's get to resilience you know as kind of being fundamental here so yeah look it absolutely fundamental the first thing is to create a culture and a place where in conversations failure is okay Mm. to remove that fear of failure because we all perform better if the fear of failure is gone and we accept that there's going to be some points where we're not going to get it get it 100% right to analyze the things that really do create stress in the legal profession and the most stressful thing for all lawyers is absolutely not having enough work and not knowing where the work's coming from and not being able to plan for it so that's obviously a really good reason why you need a good BD practice and a good outreach practice to, to talk to your clients. Um, but then within that, it's actually having a structure of how you do it because structure gives people confidence because if you know what you do, you have a process, yes, it needs to adapt because people and clients aren't exactly the same all the time and they don't behave 100% the same. But having that clear structure and process gives you confidence. You know what you're doing. You can adapt with the client. You can talk to them. You know where you are. So building that process for each individual and following it helps the thing. And on the way, you'll learn. And then it's kind of sharing stories with your colleagues, with others within the program. My personal stories of failure, which are absolute doozies. You, having that sharing a story helps people to understand that, yes, they're not the only person who's gone through this. So they don't feel alone and isolated. And, you know, talking about, yes, people will pick your competitor sometimes, and sometimes it will sting. And sometimes you just have to accept that you, you didn't quite get it right. The client wanted someone else, but you can go again next time. No one died. It's okay. Your career will progress. You'll learn from this and move on. It's okay. And, you know, if you need to have a little moan for a moment or, go and have a coffee or, oh, or a beer with oh. someone and talk about how bad it was. Sure. Right. Do that. But that's, a, that's an important part of it. Don't try and say, you know, well, you lost, move on. Actually, sometimes acknowledge how you're feeling and then move on because you have to go through that process. We all lose deals and that's perfectly normal. And for, for, for us highly competitive individuals, and I'll put myself in that bracket with most oh. lawyers that I work with, it stings. 
because you want to win. But that's the way of kind of moving on, right, and and going that way. And then you actually only get resilience from knockbacks. So you can train it, you can give all the... You can give all the processes in the world and all the all the tactics, and they're absolutely fantastic. But until you have a knockback, you don't put them in place. And it's the same thing that we've sort of the continual right. theme here right. around change, right? You have to adapt to change. You have to you have to want to change. You have to try and do it. You have to put things in place. You have to accept that you're going to sometimes get it wrong, and you have to keep going. So you know you'll get knocked down, but you can get back up again. You can come back stronger, and you can just keep keep moving forward. I uh, I want to give you something. I want to give you two things, you know, because it's so, so... I read this book whenever I was, like... Um, I'm 39 now, so I read it whenever I was uh, whenever I was 30 years old. And it was this idea by this guy. Um, and it's the idea of anti, anti-fragile. And basically, what it says is there are things in the world who actually get better, get better when they get knocked around. So there are situations, mm. for example, bones. Now you can't go out and break a bone, clearly, because that's, that's, there's, there's stress levels, of course. But bones actually get a little bit bigger, you know, the more you walk, the more you bang a little bit your bones. You could even say the same things about easier example, muscles. When you lift the muscle, when you lift weights, you break your, you actually tear your muscles a little bit, but they don't come back to the same thing. They actually come back even stronger. They grow. Because they are trying to adapt to the idea of sort of situation. So, you know, the thing is, is that truthfully, human beings really are like this. We actually do get better through our failures, through we develop this almost, if you have Mm. this idea, this anti-fragile idea, which is, oh my God, I love getting knocked down because of what I'm actually coming out. You know, there's a big enough why. And then I'll just share one thing and then you can, you can, you can, I want to wrap up with you which is, you know, the famous German philosopher uh, Nietzsche, he said, you know, with a big enough why, any how is possible. And so, you know, it's like this ties in the first point and then the last point, which is what is your why truthfully and how big is it and yeah. how, how much have you drank your own Kool-Aid? Because truthfully, the more you drink the Kool-Aid, you know, don't delete, dilute, don't dilute yourself with Kool-Aid, but feel a deep why. I promise you most people will pull through, right? Like, but yeah, yeah look, go ahead. I think that the, the interesting part about this whole kind of change and confidence part that comes through yeah. is actually why I do what I do. Right. Why I work with people is to see them move and their confidence. And one of the greatest moments for any individual is when you are really scared of something or fearful and then you take it on yeah. and you achieve that moment. Yes, we should always celebrate success, but you don't need to celebrate success because for that person, they feel amazing and they grow. And you can actually almost, if you're working with them in person, which is less common these days, but you can see them physically grow in stature. Like their whole body comes up, the smile comes up because they've challenged themselves and achieved. And there's nothing better for, for the human mindset than actually challenging yourself and achieving as opposed to staying in your comfort zone zone and yes achieving but it doesn't have that same buzz or exhilaration of actually stepping outside of your comfort zone and achieving something very very spectacular yeah totally i think this is a really good way you know i think we tied in everything together you know the need for change you have to buy this you know it comes to you eventually the need for basically this idea of being self honest with yourself and assessing yourself and really understanding okay 
change is going to happen, I buy in this top down, bottom up idea, everybody finding their why. And then the last is developer resilience, because basically you're not going to get from here to there without a little bit of resilience, a little bit of failure. And then tying this whole thing in, which is, you know, you can do anything if you have a deep enough sort of passion and deep enough sort of like why. And I love the little anecdote that you closed with, which is at the end of the day, I know that this is weird, but like, you know, you will feel so proud that you even tried. That's really the cake. That's right. The fact that it worked out, my God, that's just the cherry on top of something, right? It's you will, you will walk, you will walk more higher just by virtue of the fact that you did the scary thing that you, that you thought that you couldn't do. Right. And there it is. There's the payoff in a, in a deep, weird, in a deep, weird way. You know, your body responds to this idea. You want to leave us with some stuff? What's going on at BD Ladder? Anything coming up over the next quarter that you want to plug? Um, just had a great piece that sort of came out a couple months ago, two two months ago maybe. Everybody should download that. Yeah, what else is going on? Yeah, so yeah, we had a, a night. One of our ebooks came out last, like about two months ago, featuring uh, we had someone from Nexo and a load of other global experts talking about an issue which was picked by our audience. We have at the moment a BD playbook, which is on our website, which is fantastic. So we're very nice. We actually give you a structure and a playbook which you can download for free. So if you go to the tools section of our website you'll find that and you can download that otherwise we're pretty busy on client work we're starting to do do courses here around new zealand we're looking to do them in australia and other regions so keep an eye out for that we quite like traveling and and bringing this stuff on the road Uh, and we'll be at the future firm forum in queenstown so if anyone fancies a a travel to one of the most beautiful parts of the world and i don't say that lightly um, that's where all the great and good of sort of new zealand and the australian Quite a few from over there come over, some of the senior people in the legal industry, and just talk about the future of the law. So we're delighted to be attending that one as well. So there's a lot going on. It's going to be really cool. There is a lot. And then the Women's World Cup is in New Zealand as well. Are you going to be going to any games? Uh, I've got tickets to four games. So I'm slightly uh, soccer obsessive. Um, Yes, so we're seeing New Zealand in Norway in the opening game here on Thursday. It's going to be absolutely um, amazing. So, nice. yeah, super excited. Looking forward to the tournament. Slightly sad that Lionesses are playing over in Australia, but hopefully I might find a way to get to see them at some point. Mm, there we go. Being okay. English originally, obviously. I know. That's true. That's true. I um, Yes, exactly. For those of you who don't know, yes, uh, ben, ben is English. Um, living in New Zealand now. Uh, a key but I am, I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing USA on my second game. And we'll be going nice. to the fan zone to, to watch the USA on Saturday. So we're lucky to have the best team in the world here in our country yeah. very lucky yeah that's going to be incredible and uh and i think um um yeah i who is it was it the um, uh i always forget how to pronounce her last name megan raponi i think yeah megan rapone uh the number 10 for i think it's her going to be her last world cup i think she's going to be retiring after this so that's going to be cool to see be stunning yeah yeah very cool yeah. all right well ben paul another kraken uh podcast uh it wasn't about christmas it was about change uh but we'll have you on again we always check in with uh our buddy uh ben paul and the entire bd ladder team yeah be well any uh any final sign-offs no i just hope everyone has a good second half of the year and yeah enjoy whatever they're doing and um see you next time yeah all right cheers everybody have a good h2 we'll check in with ball later bye guys <laughs>